0: Better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You don't have to be another face in the crowd. And we are live. Welcome to another episode of the Survival Podcast, guys and gals. It is episode 3153. Thursday, August twenty fifth, two thousand two. I want to say something just in saying that right there. Something I always say at the beginning of the show, and it's something that my fellow podcasters can learn from. The reason I say the date, the day of the week, and the time, the, you know, uh, and the episode number in every episode is about my fifth or sixth episode when like three people were listening. One of those three people reached out and said, Jack, you should say the, 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 the day, the date and the uh, episode number every time you start a podcast. Because if you're going to keep doing this, you end up with a bunch of podcasts and people are going to be like, they'll want some sense of where they're at when they listen to one, especially when you have a whole catalog of podcasts. Every single one of you that does a podcast should be doing that. Every single one of you because I started doing it, and I'm like, yeah, I guess this makes sense. When I started becoming a podcast consumer, not just producer, I'm like, I really wish everybody did this. So just just a little piece of advice. Oh, yeah, and use the fountain app. That will come up today. Uh, what do we got going on today? Well, before I begin, let me remind you, I will never contact you for any personal information. our private chat, et cetera, in the video comments or on Instagram or any place like that just because you see my picture, my name, my logo does not mean it's me. Just like an NFT, you can right-click and save as and pretend to be anybody online. Somebody emailed me yesterday and said, hey, I'm doing this, uh, this chat with you in, in some Google chat or something like that. You originally contacted me on Instagram. Some of this doesn't seem right. Is it you? And I'm like, no, I don't do that. I say it every episode. Instagram doesn't care about you. Facebook doesn't care about you. YouTube doesn't care about you. Please care about yourself. I promise you, I don't think you're so special. That I reached out to you in a YouTube comment and gave you a WhatsApp number when I don't even have the WhatsApp app. All right, disclaimer done. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, bunch of stuff. This is—I didn't market it as an Outback with Jack, but it's kind of like an Outback with Jack feedback episode, that type of thing. Uh, we are going to talk about some boostergrams and a comment that made my day. A comment that has—it's like 350 words. And I have like an eight-point bullet point list of all the good shit in it. And it's based on yesterday's show. And I said the only thing that would have made it better is if it was a Friday. So I'll give you that comment and some booster grams. And I want you guys to know there are things that you guys send me, tell me, etc., that they're my payday. As much as when I get a paycheck from MSV or when I get one from a sponsor, like the things you guys tell me really mean a lot. The communication I have with you guys really means a lot. The comments, the emails… The Jackie or Jerk emails, all that stuff. It means a ton to me. And I thank you so much for it. And this one is like one of those ones where, like, I, I really love what I do when I see a comment like this. Um, we're going to talk about an idea for the TSP swag shop, which should be opening on the 29th. That's my latest feedback from my folks running it for me, where you can get cool TSP branded merchandise, kind of like the shirt I'm wearing right there. I'm, it's always weird on stream, right? Everything's backwards. But, you know, TSP Branded Merchandise, it's coming. But I have an idea that they suggested, and I don't know what they'll cost yet, but they're reaching out to somebody to see about making a custom run of something that would be kind of cool, not practical, but cool and fun. I'll tell you about that. That'll be a little couple-second segment. Then we're going to talk about the student loan BS. There's a lot of stuff going on about that right now. And, but my, here's what my bullet point says. So like I said, I'm going to piss everybody off today, even those of you that love me. You're going to send me a Jack or jerk email and it won't be a joke. Um, it is amazing how easy it is to play emotions against people. You're being played and you don't even understand how you're being played. I'm not saying all of you, but the general population, I think even in my community on this one, they have hit it so perfectly with like, uh like a bad tone, a bad uh, audio tone, like fingers on the chalkboard that it reached inside of you, even though you had, oh, they're about to scratch the chalkboard. I won't. Ah! Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. One thing missing from it is that to make the person behave stupidly, all you have to do is trigger the right emotion. They are going to. You don't even know how brilliant this move was. And I'm not saying good. I said brilliant. Those are different things when it comes to politicians. Brilliant for a politician is a good move for the politician, which is generally a bad move for the population. Anyway, we're going to talk about also a little bit of crypto today, something that I think has actually been true for a while, but I just became aware of it. And it's like, see, I told you to stay away from shitcoins in general, but especially Ripple. What if I told you that Ripple was an official partner of the people that are really the most horrible people on the planet? Satan Schwab. Yeah. I'll show you if you don't believe me. Um, they are the CBDC currency of choice. And I guess that's why people think it's a good idea to invest in them. I'd rather do things that are for liberty. That'll be really quick. So those of you that hate crypto, don't worry about it. Europe is heading into a depression at minimum. We are looking at a global recession. It's not a U.S. recession. It's a global recession in some parts of the world, depression. And I'm going to show you one graph alone that shows you why Europe is heading and descending directly into depression. And my point in this is it's all predictable. It's all on purpose. There is an agenda and you are the victim. And we are not better than they are. We're just a little bit more fortunate. Once again... In, in, in some ways, it's being separated by two giant oceans that protect us from the consequences of global warfare. And global warfare doesn't always involve bombs and missiles, even if it involves them in limited area. Um, and then I just want to do, like, this is really the show today. Like, literally everything the establishment proposes as a solution is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. I listened to an episode of uh, Billy Bond and his son's Permaculture Pimpcast today, which you should totally subscribe to. Totally subscribe to. And Nick's mentioning on the on the WEF about some stuff about ETH. We'll hit ETH in the head a little bit too. We will when we get to there about yeah not being decentralized. Um, but the, the title of their show or the episode was "Do the Opposite." So we're going to talk about things like farming, diet, education. Water, like managing water, like the availability of water and, and the cleanliness of water, right? Um, population, how to manage population. Uh, subsidized health insurance, so health insurance, health care. Uh, rare earth elements and uh, alternative energy. Uh, regulations versus actual deregulation. And I'm going to ask you guys what else you can think of. When we do this segment and I think I'll make a clear case and I'm going to go pretty quick through it like a lightning round that guys, this, uh this is pretty obvious when you start going through the biggest problems mankind has and you just go, what is the most, what is the most clear solution to the problem? And in every instance where you actually do research, you have knowledge, you ascertain the situation You use logic, reason, you develop proper uh, rhetoric uh, by using the trivium uh, of knowledge to come up with a solution. And in every instance, whatever you come up with is the opposite of what is being proposed. You either can believe that the people that run the entire world are this stupid or it's intentional. It's up to you. And then we'll talk about what really worked a world like this, where this type of stuff is going on. Before we do, I want to remind you, we do have sponsors of the show, and our sponsor of the day is Paul Wheaton. Uh, I talked to Paul about bringing this around again, and he agreed. Uh, he has this incredible deal right now, 177 hours of video. It is a permaculture design course along with an appropriate technology course. That's 177 hours of video. There's different options, but if you just want it kind of an on-demand, instant-view type thing, it's 50 bucks for either or, or sixty-five bucks for the whole thing, one hundred and seventy-seven hours of professionally produced video with these incredible instructors on all these incredible uh, projects and technologies—a full PDC for sixty-five bucks. Are you kidding me? These are top-notch instructors. Say what you want about Paul; he can rub some people the wrong way. Yours truly can do that as well. But when it comes to putting together training events and teaching events, Paul is absolutely a master, and it would cost a lot of money to travel to Montana and go to these two courses and learn all this stuff, and it would totally be worth it. But you can have access to this stuff immediately. I mean, just look at the amount of material that's here. Look at the diversity of instructors. Byron Joel, by the way, I just realized he was in this. I met Byron first in 2014. I've had him on the show twice. I haven't heard from him in a while. The man is a freaking genius. Like this is a guy that literally studied at the knee of Jeff Lawton. Uh, Helen Athro, amazing as well. Uh, just so much information jam packed into this for 65 bucks. 65 bucks. Are you kidding me? This would definitely be worth checking out and deciding whether or not it's right for you. And Jake says, Because Jake likes to ask questions. Can you drop a link for Paul's course? Hey, class, where do you think the link is for Paul's course? Where do you think it is, Jake? See if you can figure it out. (laughs) Uh, The link is down in the video notes, and it will, of course, be in the audio notes that go up later. Hunter said, does he take Fold? LOL. You know, I don't think he does. He takes PayPal. But I need to talk to Paul about the fact that if you're using PayPal, you can use PayFlow and you can accept credit and debit cards. Because that would be useful. But I will tell you something real quick before we move on. Hunters, this is a cool thing about PayPal and Fold. You can set your Fold card up to be a funding source to your PayPal account. And then when you're paying, choose the source of your funds. So you can pay with regular PayPal and still draw out of your Fold card. There's your make-free Bitcoin hack of the day. Let's let's get into this. I want to talk about some of the boostograms. Uh, that I got. And I want to let you know something about why I don't read them all. One is because the whole show would be booster grams because there's so many of them. But the other is what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to open up my phone and I'm actually looking at screenshots because if people are listening to my podcast, the way the uh, the fountain app works literally as I'm trying to read the booster grams, like the latest ones, it keeps jumping back to the top every time a single transaction comes in. So, so there's like two people Streaming stats every minute, every 30 seconds, it's jumping up. So that's why I have to do things this way. User 1207 says, you mentioned replacing your well pump and some upgrades on the well. Can you share the upgrades in a future podcast? I'll give you the very short version. One, I have a piece of one-inch PVC, Schedule 80, that goes all the way down to where the pump is. And then there's couplers, and this is uh, uh, screw-in fittings, not, not glued fittings in something that's going to last this long. And those original fittings were PVC, so I upgraded all of the fittings that hold the pipe together. We were able to reuse the pipe to stainless steel. That was not cheap. The other thing is about a 200-foot drop into the well, and the wire that's in there, the guy said, I think this was probably in there for two pumps, so it could be 30 years old or older. And they used to make the wire a little bit differently, and the ground was not insulated, and it was really brittle. He's like, I could splice a piece on. I'm like, no, no, no. So 200 feet of heavy gauge wire that was expensive, and then we upgraded the control module for the pump. So those are three upgrades, and there were some other things. Uh, Jitterhead sent 500 sats. Said value for value. Thanks, Jack. C.J. Dixon 500 sats. Logic Mike said 100 sats. Great discussion. And made him think, that was on yesterday's podcast on Strong Towns, 7,777 sats on our instant lightning node deployment episode. God bless all us Bitcoiners. We're going to need it. Uh, That was from letter 6173. Led Valken, 750 sats. Yozik, 501 sats. Guy Smiley, 1,000 sats. American Guy, 500 sats. Hobbit Nuts, I see you. Supporting a lot of shows. Nuts. Thank you for doing that, not just my show. Uh, 500 sats. Jordan Richner, 500 sats. Pitar, not Peter, Pitar, 1,234 sats. Uh, Leto Valkin, another 750 sats. Thanks, nice, dude. User 7789, 500 sats. Postal, 500 sats. 500 sats from lots for the flooding. Thank you. I actually enjoyed the flooding. I didn't enjoy the well going out, but thankfully the flooding and the well going out came at the same time. TNT Mom says, 500 sats, the history of the pigs on the islands was really interesting. I think so. I've been paused from earning, not boosting, though, Jim Seifert, 333 sats. And then Jim says, Fountain is ruining their app. No more transcripts with clips unless you're a premium member. Uh, Sorry, no. I want to tell you, you can't provide a service if you can't afford to provide a service. And what was happening, and while the clips were going down in Fountain, is every single person that ever made a clip was making an entire transcript of an entire episode. Three bucks a month to be a premium member and add that feature if you enjoy using it, not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. Um, Sometimes I think Fountain has made a mistake in giving away sats because I think it's created the wrong mentality. People going to value for value to get something instead of going to value for value to participate in something. Um, And we have, I want to, you know, I am on the beta uh, test group. In Fountain, And there's been a lot of suggestions and they are open to suggestions with ways to make clipping easier without putting such a load from a technological expense standpoint on the system. And there's like three or four coders. That's the entire fountain team. These guys work like 20 hour days. They're trying to figure out how to make this the best podcasting app out there. And my personal opinion is they already have. But people always want more. And just like some of you participate by sending me value on value for value or becoming MSB members or patronizing my sponsors or using t if you want something to succeed, you have to be willing, especially as an early pioneer, to invest in it. And I, I think 3 bucks a month is not a huge investment. And we have been suggesting to them a lot of ways that they can improve the value of the premium membership or the premium supporter or whatever premium user and this is something I think you guys should know about the beta group. There's a lot of us in there that are podcast creators. And we've willingly said charge us ten. Make a creator premium. Give us the ability to do things like export our, our uh our transcripts so that we can use them. Uh give us some other features that only the creators would care about, and we'll pay you three times what you're asking uh consumers to pay. They 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 probably are interested, but they also have to choose what they do and when they do it. So we're willing to invest as creators, and there's a lot of us in the beta group that are that are making that, and not all of them are people like me that have 14 years of podcasting behind them that make their living full time. Many of them are small producers who uh, who podcast for passion, and they're willing to invest. And I just think you should know that before. I've just heard a lot of hate thrown at Fountain, and it's generally over about 35 cents worth of sats. And I think if you're doing, and I I, I want to stop because that's not what today's show is about. But I think if you're doing that, actually the emotion thing fits right in with where we're going to go first here today. Uh, but before we go where we're going to go first, I have this idea. Actually, it's not my idea; it's Nick's idea. There's a Nick. I won't say last name because I don't know if he wants it broadcast. Uh, but there's a Nick who is actually the guy, along with his wife, that is part of that is the entire operation for TSPSwag.com, which is coming soon. T-shirts, hats, all the stuff you'd expect—mugs and tumblers and what have you. He had this idea. He said, you can actually do branded Magic 8-Balls, because I talked about the Magic 8-Ball lately. Like, it's not clear or whatever. And, like, we can no problem kind of do almost like a print-on-demand Magic 8-Ball. It just has, like, the TSP Val logo or something on it. But he actually found somebody where you can control the answers. So it would be a TSP-branded 8-Ball with controlled answers. This would be, like, a limited run. Like, we'd do a 100 of them if there was enough interest. So you would be like, what should I do about my career? And you'd shake the Magic 8-Ball, and you'd get a jackism, like, it depends, or don't hate money. And if there's enough interest, and if we can do it, then we'll actually crowdsource, we'll have to determine what the uh, what the, the character limit is, because I'm sure there's a character limit per answer. And we'll crowdsource all the jackisms that go into the eight ball. And Hunters is saying, and this was Nick's original idea, but I was like, we could come up with better than this. It would be great if like every answer was just it depends. That would that would be kind of interesting. But I think it would be more fun if we had things in there like don't hate money. Anyway, if you're interested in do that, if you would buy an 8-Ball, if it was anywhere reasonably priced, because I don't even know what the cost would be yet. This is a custom thing. Understand that. Uh, email me, jackatthesurvivalpodcast.com with TSBC 8-Ball in the subject line and just say I'm in. And if there's, you know, 40, 50 people that would be in out of the gate before we even saw them, and as long as we don't think the price is stupid – uh, I'll do it. You're not committing to anything. I'm not going to hold you. like, Hey, you said you jerk. Iowa have farm boy. You promised like, where's your order? I'm not like that. Like just general interest. All right. So I want to go into this student loan BS and I want to, I want to preface everything I'm about to say with right out of the gate. I am not pro this decision. If I was in charge of the White House, if I was king of America, because I don't want to be president. Nick Ferguson said this one time, and I'm like, I completely agree. He's like, I don't want to be president. Presidents can't do shit, but if you give me king, I can get some shit done. So if you made me king of America, this isn't what I would do. And I'm going to give you two examples of how I would address this problem, and it is a problem. And not all the people that borrowed money are evil bastards who don't want to pay their money back, right? Um And there is some victimization of this demographic that's had 40 years of marketing shoved down their throat of everybody should go to college. Uh, But I'm not pro this. But I do think, politically speaking, Brandon's administration, because Brandon's not capable of anything on his own, was absolutely flipping brilliant as a tactical political move. And then you have to understand what is the goal of the Brandon administration right now? Is it to keep the house? Nope. That ship has sailed. That is not happening. They are losing the house. Nancy Pelosi will be m- minority, whatever, or she, I think she's retiring. I don't know. That's done. That's good. That's, that's going to happen. It's to mitigate that. It's to try to mitigate how much of a, a, a lopsided thing it is. And it is to try to keep the Senate, which is more possible than the TV is telling you. Because if you look at the states that are actually up for grabs because only one-third of the Senate runs in every election, so you kind of pick and choose, it, it in in a very minor way favors the Democrats. And there's a lot of states that it would have been not so much a few years ago, that are, like Georgia. Like you, if you would have ran Herschel Walker for senator of Georgia in, in, in 2014, it wouldn't even have been close. And right now he's behind in the polls, right? So that's the goal. Now, before we get into how you're being emotionally controlled with this thing, I want to explain to you why it's brilliant tactically. So first of all, there's a lot of question as to whether or not Brandon has the authority to actually do this. And the answer is, if there's any any modicum of reality left to the republic, no, he does not have the authority to do this. But he might get away with it. There's a lot of shit the presidents don't have the authority to do, right? But they get away with doing it. So there's a very famous clip of Pelosi from like a year ago saying, people think the president can't. You guys that are not seeing the video, you're missing my Pelosi impression. But he can't. Only Congress can do this. And now, according to the – he found the the authority. That's the actual explanation. Under the COVID emergency thing, right? But the COVID emergency was in full swing when Pelosi – Famously said, he does not have the power to choose. Yeah. Let me drink some vodka. He can't do it. People don't know that, but he can't do forgiveness. It takes Congress, right? So let's think about how this plays out. Let's think of every possible way this plays out. One, it goes through. So all the people that get ten to $20,000 taken off their student loans are all happy, even if they hate Brandon. Some portion of them that were on the fence about voting or voting for Brandon. Understand that. There's a whole lot of people that don't vote. The goal in the game is get them to show up, especially the ones that if they did show up, they would vote for you, but they're not really excited, so they don't show up. So if it goes through, it does help him politically and help his party politically. No matter how mad you are about it, that's true. What happens, dear friends, if they... Shoot it down. What if the Republicans mount a defense? Now, it will gin up their side. But what does the Democrats say? What is the Democratic message? We tried to help you. The big, meanie Republicans took away your money. You know that money you were already counting? Yeah, Brandon gave it to you. We were all in on it. But you deserve more than ten or $20,000. You deserve fifty. You deserve your entire thing wiped clean there is no way that politically speaking that this was a bad play right down to the timing because the other thing brandon did he's like uh where am i oh yeah the uh, the the deferments will end it is time for people to start making payments on their student loans again it will end on december what year is it? 2022 yeah on the 31st So next year, they'll start going again. So he defers the delayed payments till the end, puts this thing in play. It probably won't get shot down before the election. Or if it does, it'll get shot down right before the election. It is a brilliant political play, even though I don't like it or agree with it. And it's very hard sometimes. So I want you to get in touch with your emotions. I know 99% of you guys are totally opposed to this. So it's very – and Hunter's – I covered that, Hunter's. Yeah, she said he couldn't do it last year, but now they found the authority, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Pelosi said in the past or the present. All that matters is that the play is smart, which means Brandon didn't make the decision. If it's smart, the lost, confused, full-on dementia patient in the White House did not, did not – Change anything. Now listen to this. Like here's what I said too. I said, all the little frickin' children, adult children, who are just being handed ten to twenty thousand dollars are going to bitch like whiny ass little cunts that it's not enough. Old Bear Honey says ten to twenty thousand is a drop in the ocean to pay off most of these student loans, but a political gold nugget. Now I'm not picking on him, but that's exactly what's gonna happen. Well, we want more. If you can do this, why can't you do the rest of it? OK, this is but it's it's if you don't think this is a brilliant political move. Even after what I just said, it's because emotion is controlling it. And that's what's going on here, because the bigger emotion is I'm listening to all these people on the right now. Shriek. Well, if you really wanted to help, if you really wanted to help, you would give ten thousand dollars to people that graduated trade school and their plumbers and things like that that. We need more of they're out there working. Why don't we help them? I, I guarantee you if they came up with the Plumbing and General Labor Restoration Act and had said we're going to give $10,000 to everybody in these job categories, that the same people saying that's what should be done now would be bitching about it. It's a rational thought because Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. The way you trigger stupid is you trigger emotion, even in intelligent people, and then they, they, they renounce reason because they're outraged. And it doesn't matter if they're politically left, right, or center, or even libertarian. If you're not willing to immediately look at a thing and when you feel a visceral, angry reaction or a very excited, happy reaction, say, whoa, shit, emotion, time to go Vulcan and back away from it and examine it, it will be impossible to understand it, whether you're for or against Now, I'll say this, if I had student loans right now, and I had to go to some website to fill out a form, because that's another thing Brandon's administration said, we don't know if it'll actually cost us much, because we don't know if everybody will actually do it. Yeah, they'll do it, and so would I. I would take the money, because like I've said, until I get as much money from government as government's taken from me, we don't even have to have this conversation. I've probably paid in over my lifetime over a million dollars in taxes total. So I'll take a million bucks and then we'll call it even. And I won't take any more services from you guys, okay? Now we're not going to make that deal fine. Um, but this idea, like, this is going to benefit people with master's degrees who are lawyers and doctors. Let's examine that with a modicum of understanding. How many doctors and lawyers do you know that make under $125,000 a year? None? Yeah, me too. So it probably won't help many Doctors and lawyers, though it might if you have a new doctor or someone that's a resident uh, or an intern and not making a lot of money yet or a married one with one house income, because then you go up to a quarter million. But in general, this is not going to help millionaires as it's being shrieked about on the right. But that's do you think the people on the right on right wing media don't know that or do you think they're trying to make you emotional, too, because everybody's in on the game but you. I said recently in a post on social media, I don't care how powerful the chess piece is on the board. It could be the king, the rook, the knight, the queen. It has no more power than the hand that moves it gives to it. The pawn is equal to the queen because the player can kill the queen on purpose if if he chooses to. You understand that? You're the pieces on the board. You are a pawn in a giant game of chess unless you emotionally separate from this. This is going to be hard for many of you to accept. And you know, I hate the government stealing money. You know, I hate that. You know, I think this is abusive, but in the, in the giant scheme of things, this doesn't matter. What your government's doing in Ukraine matters a hell of a lot more than the fact that somebody that's a barista right now with a degree in angry studies is going to get $10,000 off their student loans. Think about all the shit that your government's done to you in the last five years. Think about how much of it is so much worse than this. But the only thing on everybody's mind right now is some graduate student with a degree in gender studies that makes $120,000 a year that works for Harvard is going to get $10,000 off their student loans. Do you know what? I don't like it, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And I don't support student loan forgiveness. Well, let's understand something. Without getting emotional about this reality, there is no student loan forgiveness happening. There's no forgiveness. So if I walked up to K-Bonk, and I would never do this because k bonks awesome, but if I walked up to K-Bonk, and I punched K-Bonk right in the face. And then Kelly here said, on behalf of Jack Spirico, I would like to apologize to you. And then prep to adventure said, Jack, I forgive you for punching K-Bonk in the face. Is there forgiveness? Is there atonement in that scenario? Jack punches K-Bonk. Kelly apologizes And prep to adventure forgives. Okay. This is what's happening right now. The government is paying the bill at the expense of the taxpayer to the benefit of the bank that issued the loan that was never in danger of default anyway. Because if the repair defaulted, the government covered it anyway. It just would, it just now it won't destroy the debtor. Instead, it'll destroy the economics of the country. So who's forgiving here? Forgiveness would be the people that tendered the loan saying you don't have to pay it back. So you see that even the word that's being used is full-on bullshit. But it doesn't matter. It's going to contribute to inflation more than the last three years. Well, it's worse, sure. But really, is it? in a way that really matters compared to everything else they've done. See, they're they're doing something right now that they do all the time. I kind of agree with that, Mick. Mick says uh, taxpayer is a slur. Yeah, it's victim, victim of theft. But we know what we mean when we use words that are being used, right? Um, but I I see what you're saying there, and I agree with you. But what they're doing there is they're playing on something right now. The American people and people in general, especially in the first world, Can only focus on being angry about one thing at one time. So think about all the other shit that's happened. Think about what's going on right now. Are we getting some truth about, you know, that thing they stick in your arm right now that's kind of inconvenient? Really inconvenient? Is it on TV? Is anybody talking about it? Is anybody upset about it? No, we're all talking about student loan forgiveness that's not student loan forgiveness. We're all, and who, who, who are we angry at here? Where is the emotion being directed? A little bit at Brandon, but there's enough offsetting adoration for Brandon for doing it. And then there's spiteful children going, Brandon should have done more, right? Okay. But where is the real venom right now? It's between the left and the right average person. The left's like, look at these hateful Republicans. Can't they see that these people need help? And the Republicans are like, I worked my ass off to pay my own bills. Plenty of those guys did, too, that are actually for this. They don't have any debt. They just think the other people should have it paid off. This is two sides that are most more like each other than they will ever be like the elites they're fighting over, fighting with each other and hating each other for something that really won't change much in the world. Again, and I say again, full stop, exclamation point, again. Because this is what they do. This is how they control you. This is what they've always done. And so when you find yourself being emotionally responsive to a thing, no matter how righteous you feel your anger is, know this. The person that has caused the emotion in you does not share your emotion. The politician who gets up and says, we need to do this or whatever bullshit they come up with, especially when it's somebody like Elizabeth Warren that tries to pretend to be passionate. Elizabeth Warren can't be passionate about being fake. Right? So it's, it's, it's sad in the attempt. I think I'll get me a beer, right? Like all this shit, like when they're done with that, they're like an actor. You ever see a movie on like an actor and an act- actress? Like they almost like, they, it, it's like a PG-13 thing. Like they get this close to actually having sex and they're like, Oh, they love each other and shit. And like as soon as they're like cut, they're like, eh, okay. Yeah, okay. So, hey, somebody bring me my uh, turmeric smoothie. That's who these people are. The people on the news, Dan Bongino went shit yesterday, caught a little bit of that on Fox, flipping around through the channels. It's called getting off your ass and getting a... He doesn't give a shit. These people are actors. They're players in a part. You'll never meet them. And if you do, they'll be on character when you meet them at some event. And as soon as they get out, you know, it, there was an old SNL thing where they had like this interview going and like one of the guys was pretending to be Snoop Dogg and he was all doing his gangster shit and stuff, you know. And like as soon as it cuts, he's like, "Who? who, where can I get, where's my cappuccino? That's what this is. This is all a gimmick. And it, it doesn't matter which side is the bad guy at the time and which side. This is WWF wrestling, 1985. This is Paul Orndorff and Hawk Hogan. And Macho Man Savage and Rowdy Piper. Grow up. Grow up, America. Stop falling for it. On other things, um, I've told, I've been asked about one of the one of the uh cryptocurrencies I've been asked about and had pushed at me often over the years, and even when I was more of a shit corner than I am today, is Ripple. I I for those of you that are uh on the video, what what do you see at the top of this page that I just put up that has Ripple and a description of Ripple and their logo on it? What does that say? I think that says World Economic Forum. And if you look right up in the top left-hand corner right there, it says Partners. Ripple is an official partner of the World Economic Forum. And Ripple literally markets itself as the currency, the cryptocurrency made for doing CBDCs. Hmm. Do you know what's a bigger problem, though? I want to show you something that most people are not aware of. I want to show you how much control the World Economic Forum actually has. This is the full partners page on the World Economic Forum. For those of you that are in the audio-only version, I apologize that you can't see this. But what you're looking at right there is not quite the full list of the companies that start with A. Those are the A's including Apple and Amazon. okay right you can't you can't boycott everybody that's involved with freaking the world economic form you're gonna run out of people to do business with. I want you to understand here's the B's. look at that right Bank of everybody, all the banks. Bahrain Petroleum, Baha Group, right? There's the Bs, here's the Cs. Are you starting to understand the picture yet? This is your enemy. This is your bigger problem. This is your bigger problem right here than anything the government's doing. What do you think combined power of all of these corporations and central banks and regional banks is? We're up to the G's now. For those of you that can't see it, you're listening to audio only. What do you think the, the power is? Goldman Sachs is there, of course. Hess Corporation. Heineken Beer. H&M. Hong Kong Exchange and Clearing. Hong Kong Science and Technology. Right? HP Trust. HSBC. Wouldn't leave them out. Those guys got a lot of money. What do you think the combined power is? Of all these companies, IBM, they got a little bit of money, right? A little bit of Federal Reserve credits, space credits. ING Group, remember when they were supposedly bankrupt? Never happened. They got bail- held out. Johnson & Johnson, right? Uh, it, it, I, I'm going to stop reading, but it's, it's, it's all of it. It's everybody. It's everybody that's big enough to matter. It's pretty much every major public corporation on the planet is playing ball with the WEF. And this is where governance is coming from in the future. All of the people that you vote for don't matter. Solutions that they claim to want to bring to bear to solve problems and help you are bullshit. We can solve problems. We're about to start solving problems. We won't be able to do it, but you'll understand how simple the solutions are. I'm even going to go back to the uh, student loan forgiveness and give you two different solutions. One that would be pragmatic for government to actually do and one that I would do if you made me king. Right, We'll do the king one first so you don't get mad at my other one, because my other one's hell of a lot better than anything you're going to do. But this is governance by technocracy, governance through oligarchy. It's a technocratic oligarchy. And what they're doing is they're using ESG to steer what they want to happen, and they're going to get it. The vast majority of people will fall happily under the yoke of this new, terrible future, this dystopian future. The beauty of it is, you're going to have to agree to do it for it to work. If you disagree and you don't do it, they can't control everybody. Especially in this country. Not because of American exceptionalism, because of American geography, regionalism, and federalism. It's going to be very difficult. And they don't care if they control all of us. All they want to control is enough people to accomplish their agenda, which is cram most of the people into the cities, which is good because then they won't be in the country. We won't have to deal with them. And to make as much money as humanly possible and to rebase the entire global economic system. And by the way, to reduce the global population at the same time, which they're going to do way more. For those of you who think they're trying to kill everybody through atrophy than through direct elimination of life. Killing millions and billions of people is a problem. Like, it's hard to industrialize. It's tough. right? It's tough. Nazis found out how hard it was. As horrific as that was. It was a problem. Just get rid of everybody you killed. You know what's not hard? Cutting birth rates. Cutting birth rates is not hard. It's already been done. And before the clot shot, it was already being done. Look at the reproduction rates. There's not a single modern Western nation that is at a reproductive rate to maintain population, let alone grow it, absent immigration left in the world. And now they're working on the rest of the world to solve that. We have convinced young men not to get married. That results in less kids. I know there's a lot of children born out of wedlock. But in the end, you get less children if you have less marriages. And there's a lot of men that are like, I ain't getting married. And what men figured out real quick, young adult adolescents anyway, was not getting married is not good enough. If I have a kid and I don't get married, in a lot of ways, economically for me, it's even worse the way that I'm punished for having a child. Even if I want to be a good father, uh, they can ruin my life. So they're making sure they don't have kids. Young women have been convinced it's bad to have children. It will get in the way of your future and you're, you'll are you be happier without them. So we have less kids being born all the time. And then if you do anything, like screw with people's diets, give them unnecessary medications, over prescribe psychotropic medications, anything that actually lowers pro- reproductivity, then that has a, another, like you've added on. And then if you like, just like, blow male testosterone through the floor, then you're going to have less kids. So anybody want to tell me that any of this stuff is not happening? This is the governance plan, but what it does is it opens up tremendous opportunity for us that refuse to do this. And I'm going to tell you, we need to take it seriously that we have this opportunity. We need to act on it because it's not all good. I'm going to show you something else. This is uh, this will be the last screen share I do today. Um, but if you understand what you're looking at, this should be, in a word, kind of horrifying. This is Germany's trade balance. Um, this is, this is the result of, so you have to understand something first of all about the fact this is Germany. As Germany goes, so goes Europe, not necessarily England, the United Kingdom, except they're going to, cause they've done the same thing. But as the as, as as continental Europe goes is as as Germany goes. This is the trade balance in Germany. Now you see that one giant dip. That's the beginning of the Scamdemic, And you can see, of course, the beginning is and this amazing immediate bounce back where all the politicians, including Orange Man, said, Look at the great recovery we've created by allowing things that we shut down to reopen. Good job, guys. Good job. But I want you to notice something. Go all the way back. So like the beginning of 2015, you could see that it was already in significant decline. And if you look at the height of it, it was about the end of 2015. It never got back there, even before the scamdemic. But then look at it go off a cliff with Europe opened back up. You know what that is? That's Ukraine. That's, that's Putin's tax. That's Putin's recession, as Brandon says, right? I'm telling you, no, that is that is economic suicide by the entire European Union. That is, we are going to kill cows because they fart. That's what that is. That is, we're going to tell farmers they can't use as much fertilizer, even though we already have a food shortage. That is, we're not going to buy energy from Russia, even though our, our people are going to freeze this winter. That's what that is. This is all intentional. It's on purpose and it spells not a recession for Europe. This smells a depression for Europe. Mark my words, they'll keep trying to tell you it's not a depression, not a recession. You have 50% of major US corporations saying they have layoffs planned in the next 6 to 12 months. Not a recession. Two consecutive uh, periods of negative economic growth. Not a recession. Third, a third quarter of negative off, off, uh, n- negative economic growth, absolutely guaranteed to show up, even with fudging the numbers to try to make it look better than it is. Not a recession. Europe's trade balance careening off a cliff. Not a recession. No, it's not. You're going to get to a point sooner or later where not a recession is going to be true, because a depression is not a recession. It's a depression. This is a great global recession, if not a great global depression. And I think there will be parts of the world that are in full-on depression and parts that are in heavy recession, right? It won't be uniform. It won't be everywhere's the same. And the United States will probably do better, don't cheer, better than Europe. Well, why though? Because we have a Republican form of government, and I'm not talking about the GOP, I'm talking about, our republic concept of government with state autonomy, which gives some level of competition between the regions, which does some things to mitigate national suicide, which on some level is what we're all doing right now. We also have an, we have so much more resource base than the rest of the world. Now we've also done really stupid shit like, you know, we can't make penicillin without China or India. Most of our medications we can't make without China or India. I mean, that's, that's retarded, but it's true. We are, we make the best silicon chips in the world, but we can't make enough to like fuel our automotive industry. We make the best ones, the most expensive ones. We make more of those than anybody else, but you only need those for specific applications. There's a lot of other things. So we have that problem. We have a tremendous amount of shortfall in not being able to import things, but you're also going to have a a depression where countries will be hungry for any money they can get. China is going to be in – it actually makes them very dangerous. This is – I don't think what people understand. China is about to go into a population massive decline. China's going into a massive population decline. Now, they, they started back in the 70s trying to mitigate pop- population growth, one child policy, all of that. But now, because of, of decades of this thinking, there's not enough women of childbearing years if they all get pregnant to prevent a decline of population in China. I'm not kidding. Look that shit up. And so you have a massive population decline. You know who else has a massive population decline already started but heavily coming? Russia. Isn't that interesting? Look it up if you doubt me. And it's because when people are not optimistic about the future, they stop having children. They stop having children. Now, this population decline isn't because a bunch of people died of the coof. It's because people are not reproducing. And I think it is a combination of cultural things that have convinced people to not have children and biological, physical things that are interfering with the reproductive rates of those of us still willing to have children. And then you add to that that all these countries have massive social welfare programs for the elderly. No, I don't hate grandma and grandpa. I'm a grandpa, for God's sakes. But this idea that people can stop working in their 60s and live to be 100 and be paid for their existence is predicated. I'm not even saying there shouldn't be a program for that. We could call that I don't know, investing, right? But this idea that it can be done by a state is predicated on the concept that there will be more workers in the future than the present. If I'm going to take a portion – of every worker to support every non-worker. I need more workers than non-workers. And when Social Security started, people didn't live as long as they do today. And Social Security was just Social Security. It wasn't Social Security and Medicaid and a bunch of other shit. So now think about the global economic impact of a declining population before the population of elderly that draw from it declines. Now, let's add to it all the people that are part of social welfare programs that are not elderly. I do not begrudge a person that works their whole life, has about 14% of their freaking income stolen because their employer matched it for their whole life and getting their money back. But we've gotten to a point today where people literally seek Social security-based retirement in their 20s and 30s if they can pull it off, if they can find a way. My, I have a sister-in-law. The woman has been on assist government assistance for 15 years now. She gets free housing and free money. She's two classes away from a master's degree, and she's about one year away from drawing full-on social security, if not already. I can't remember exactly how old she is. And she stopped going to college to work on herself. And her disability is that she's emotionally upset. What really happened is she had a freaking mental shutdown, screamed at everybody at work, and then was smart enough to go claim that she had mental and physical problems that caused it instead of just the fact that she snapped out like a bitch at people at work. And she's very smart. And she was able to eventually get on government disability because she snapped at people and she has allergies. How many people like that are there? She'll be just old enough to start drawing Social Security that she hasn't been paying into for the last 15 years. And she'll never go back to work because our system is not designed to create a funnel for people to come out of that situation back to work while we're in a declining worker population, convincing people that they deserve UBI, universal basic income for their existence. And you think that the people behind this don't know that it won't work? Do you really And if you think, Jack, could it really be this way? Well, let's go into it now. Let's talk about how literally every solution that they propose is the exact opposite of what we should do if we actually wanted to solve the problem, which is a few things. What about farming? Farming, what is the solution with farming? We need to farm more, better, better more efficiently with better technology and we need to farm grains because those cows fart and they're destroying the ecosystem and making the planet hot with their cow farts. It completely ignoring the fact that there used to be a hell of a lot more megafauna than there is now, that there were more than 50 million buffalo in America. And so the, the natural state of the planet is massive ruminants everywhere And that can't be a bad thing for the environment if that's the way that the environment evolved itself, that that's as natural as it gets. We'll put that aside. Let's just look at it from a scientific standpoint. What builds soil faster and puts more carbon into the ground if that's what you claim you're trying to do? If we we take their theory on its face as being valid or that they even want to do it, would it be rows of trees, with grazing in between, with ruminants, recycling perennial grasses into the soil, building up the biology of the fungal and beneficial bacteria in that soil over time, while tree roots go deep down in my minerals up to the grasses, or plowing the field and planting corn, wheat, and soil. Which one of those is more ecologically valid as a solution? just putting carbon in the soil. If you don't immediately say the ruminant-based grazing system, then you need a knowledge of biology and science that I'm not capable of putting into your mind today. Trust me, that would be the solution. Right now, if we started converting the fields that grow corn, soy, and wheat into grazing-based savanna mimic systems, the amount of runoff that we would keep out of our oceans that they claim to care so much about alone would be enough to justify it. If everybody could eat the same, eat the food as meat instead of grain and health stayed the same and it didn't put one more ounce of carbon in the soil, which it would, just what we would stop losing in topsoil and, and nutrient load into our rivers and streams and oceans alone would justify it. And it fixes all the other things too. So their solution is the problem. Their solution is the problem. You say the problem is the solution. Their solution is the problem. They've got it backwards. Do the opposite, like Billy Bond said in his recent episode. But what about our diet? Okay? I'll just say this for those of you that are still holding out on this. I dare you. I dare you. If you're eating a standard American diet, even if you think you're healthy, even if you're not on any prescription medications, I dare you to go get all of the lab work that Kenberry recommends, the A1C, all of it. And then the day after you take the test so your results are coming in for 90 days, eat a diet of nothing but fat and protein and low carb vegetables for 90 days, not two weeks and say, oh, I felt like shit. Of course you did. You take the heroin away from a heroin addict. They feel like shit. 90 days. I don't care how you look. Go get your labs done again because labs don't lie. I dare you to do it. And I dare you to come back and tell me that this way of eating doesn't make you healthier. Look at your A1C alone and then say, what would that do to type two diabetic rates in our country? And you understand immediately they don't want to solve the problem. They're pushing corn, soy, wheat, et cetera, at you starches and grains because they store well, they tax well, they commoditize well. They're easy to control, they're easy to quantify, and they work for bean counters who want a system of control. Simple. Do the opposite. They say eat starches and grains, you eat meat and fat. You'll get healthier. The good news is, so far, we actually can do these things without their permission. One way or another. Let's keep going. How about the education system? We need charter schools! They're still government schools. They're still government schools. What is the problem in education? I'm not talking about college right now. We'll get there. What is the real problem? Why does education suck today? Because liberals! Yeah, sure. Why do liberals get to do all the shit they do in schools though? What happens if your kid's going to a school and that school's failing your child and you don't like it? What are, what are your choices? Private school, homeschool, and you are still paying for the public school that you're not using either in direct or indirect property tax. Your tax is either in your rent or it's on your mortgage statement or it's in your separate bill if you already paid for your house. You understand that, right? You have no choice. Then you have the Republicans going, and I agree that it would be better, but better doesn't necessarily mean good. You can have shitty and really shitty, and shitty's better than really shitty, but they're both shitty. They're both garbage. Pepsi or Coke, well, they're both high fructose corn syrup swill with carbonation. One may taste a little better. It doesn't mean that one's actually better. So even if we had school choice, there would be some competition among districts, but it would still be a government monopoly on education at the point of a gun due to force. So every solution that they give, including school choice and charter schools and all this shit, is still maintaining a government-controlled, at-force monopoly of education. So what's the solution? Solution would be a competitive education market. Even if you said, you know what, Jack, you don't get to be an anarchist here. You you have to do this. You have to involve some sort of public funding that guarantees that a child can get an education. You can't tell me they can get a good education because some kids will refuse to have one. You can't make a child learn who refuses to learn. You can't do it. You can't make any human learn a thing they refuse to learn. And you're not going to ever do one size fits all. But if you want to say, look, Jack, you got to make sure that there is access to education for every American. Okay, let's use Texas numbers because I know them off the top of my head. The state of Texas spends about fifteen thousand dollars a year all in on children that go to our schools. So your child is seen as a $15,000 sign to the administrator if you go to school in Texas. And we spend less than a lot of other states. few spend less than us, but we're not at the top tier of how much we spend per student. We need to spend more. Calm your fucking ass down. Just relax a minute here. All right? You wanted my solution. Here it is. We cut that number in half. Now, I would prefer zero come from the state. But you asked me to do it as a statist. As a pragmatic, practical solution, I don't think there's any problem getting a child an education that's better than the shit some of our schools turn out right now for $7,500 a year, even without homeschooling. And if a parent had that money, it would open up things like co-ops and cooperative homeschooling. It would also open up private schools, part-time private schools and part-time all kinds of things that the market would create if they were there. And we cap that sucker. This is what you get. Parents are free to spend more money. If you want to spend fifteen, you can spend seventy five hundred out of your pocket. Go get a better education. Kids already get better educations than other kids. You can't use a problem that already exists to derail a solution. And you create a competitive education market. It's still subsidized, I hate it, but it would be truly competitive, and you would be shocked at how many schools would be coming out going. We can provide a top quality education for seven thousand nine hundred and ninety-five dollars. We'll finance the five hundred like that. Now, what would what would ruin it is the state would keep saying we need to add more back in, but we would have we'd have to double it before we got back to where we are now, and we'd have competition all the way around. So one way or another, the solution to our educational nightmare is a competitive market. And their solution, no matter how they paint it, is centralized systems of government controlled schools. Every single person proposing a solution in government is proposing centralized government-controlled schools. The exact opposite of what would fix the problem, or at least make it better. Let's move on. Oh, let's do let's do colleges. You want to fix student loans? Okay. I'm king, king jack. Okay. You borrowed money, you gotta figure out how to pay it back. Um, but all of you institutions that have benefited from this. You're going to pay their interest on their loans and they're going to pay back what they borrowed out of your endowments or no more students that come to you get any, any form of any money from outside sources at all. You, you can't even get loans from a private source. So I suggest you do it. But what about government-backed loans? They're gone. They don't exist anymore at all. And your entire little fake-ass world utopia is gone. And your tax-free status as is, is nonprofit organizations that make billions of dollars and have multi-billion dollar endowments is gone. You are not tax-free anymore. You are for-profit institutions because that's what you're operating like. Deal with it. Oh, and by the way, your little cartel you created about deciding what is and isn't a college yeah, that was all based on the ability to procure a government-backed loan, which doesn't exist anymore. So anybody anywhere could set up a college, and they can market their college as equal to the quality of yours. They can employ hybrid designs where students go to school online for two years and complete two years on campus. They can do whatever they want to compete with you, and you can't do jack shit about it except cry harder. That's my King Jack solution. Dude, the government's out of this business, but we will fix it a little bit on the way out. Now, you want my President Jack solution, like what actually could be done in our government. Remember, this is not King Jack. This is Jack saying, you guys made me president. I didn't want to do it, and I have to work within the apparatus we have and do something that's actually doable. All right, this is easy, and this shows you they don't want to fix the problem. The government will stop backing the loans with the private institutions that made them. We will absorb the loans. We'll absorb the loans. What do I mean by that? The person that took the loan will no longer pay the original debtor, the the original creditor. They'll pay the government back. Just like the other solution, if you borrowed $80,000, you will pay $80,000 back. You will pay as as, if you qualify. Now, this is we got to fix the people that are already a problem. I'll get to the new loans, so don't worry about abuse yet. Existing, it's already there. We did it. We caused it. We marketed it. we got to fix it. We will absorb the loans, and they will become zero-interest loans. When you get out of college, just like your employer takes money out for federal income tax withholding, etc., they will take 5% of your income to pay back your loan that you took until it's paid back. If it takes you to your 80, it's 5% of your income, period. But you will pay zero interest on it, ever. You can always pay more but you will always pay the minimum and it will be done by automatic payroll deduction. If you are self-employed, it will be, it will be taken out of your income tax. So there'll be almost no defaults. There'll be some people that will gain system, but the defaults will go to the toilet. Gone. Yeah. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is that even though the government's in full control, it's still the banks that are profiting on this. It's very fascist that are making the loans and they're the ones actually own the money. So that would mean that the government We'd have to write the checks to wipe out the debt of the banks. So what we're going to do, remember those endowments? Yeah, all you colleges, do you want to take students in the future that qualify for the new loan program that we're going to have? Do you? Because if you do, you better freaking listen right now. You will pony up 25% of your existing endowment and for instance, Harvard has a $40 billion dollar endowment sitting there as a nonprofit entity. Right now, 40 billion, just Harvard. University of Texas makes that look small. And there are tens of thousands of these colleges that have built the American taxpayer and built these children, who are actually adults, but treated like children, so they act like children, for 40 to 50 years. And they built up these endowments. And they pay all these high-priced assholes that high-priced assholes that they don't need. They keep building on and on. You're gonna take 25% of your endowments and we're gonna defer as much of the cost because you benefited from this shit, and we're gonna wipe out the existing student loans to the point at least where we can pay the lenders off and say, You're done. Oh, you didn't get it all. Go print some more money. Screw off. You're done, you're out of the business. There are no student loans that involve the government. Now, you want to have a private student loan, that's your own problem, and if you, we recommend you don't take it because I don't interfere with the free market. But we don't touch it anymore. New federal student loan program going forward. You have to have sufficient test scores and grades to qualify for a student loan, and that's probably something like a B average and reasonable SAT scores. Or we don't think you're going to make it through school, so you don't get in. Now, there might be some way if you go the GED route that you, you know, you do your ACTs or SATs or whatever, like, but there's going to be an academic standard not set by the colleges. Because this was something I learned when my son went to college for a while. The lower your GPA, the lower your required SAT scores to get into a state university. Did you hear that? A person with really good grades needed higher SAT scores to get in than a person with shitty grades. They could get shitty SAT scores and get in little funny game they're playing there. So no more of that. The loan will be for the tuition at the school only. Tuition and books, right? Cost to go to school. And there'll be a cap on it. Don't ask me the number right now. I don't know. You have to put bean counters on that, but it'd be lower than the number that you think that it would be. If your grade point average goes below a 3.0 for two quarters while you're in school, no more loans for you. You can bring it back up and qualify for loans for, again, you'll have to pay, go, you'll have to work at freaking Walmart until you get your grade point average up because the the American people are not investing in your spoiled little ass if you can't keep at least a, did I say 3.0? Sorry, 2.0, a C average. That's not even that high. I meant to say, it's been a long time since I've been in school. You have to have at least a C average or you stop getting your student loans. After you graduate or if you quit Going to college without your degree. Not counting summer breaks, shit like that. Any job you have will have to take 5% of your income and pay on your loan for you on your behalf. You will never, ever, 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 ever be able to go into default because as long as you're earning your pain. And K-Bong says, can I opt out? Isn't that a form of slavery? No, you, you, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to use this program. You only have to pay it back this way if you take the money this way. And done. I'm not kidding. I'm done. This is not a perfect solution. It's not King Jack's solution. It's completely doable with our existing government system and structure. It will make the universities lose their mind. I don't care. They will have to lay people off. That's coming anyway. And, oh, by the way, remember what King Jack said, they're no longer non-profits? Yeah, they're no longer non-profits. Universities are not non-profit institutions. They're just structured as such because it's really advantageous to be structured as such. And and if you do, if your institution does not have a significant success rate for graduates working within their field of study you stop qualifying for students to go to your institution to get a freaking loan. Now, do you understand what that does? How many degree programs do they go, yeah, uh shit, uh, gender studies? Yeah, we're getting rid of that. We're getting rid of that. And we're not guaranteeing the loan to be paid back. The success of your students guarantees that the loan gets paid back. Because if the, if the, if the student goes into default and legitimately can demonstrate that the reason that they are unable to have a a job is because your training was insufficient, you pay the bill until they find a job. Completely doable. Nothing about it. Chase O says most require a 3.0 now to keep a scholarship. I, 3.5 to keep a scholarship. I agree. This is the real problem. This is the real problem here. 13,653 for a student in Pennsylvania to go to public school. That's grade school. 18,000 in Ohio. See, this all works. But that's it. 22,000 in Flint, Michigan, I guess is where it says in Flint. Anyway, I'm having trouble keeping up with the comments today, but there, there's your, there's your student loan problem solved. It's better than any, you, I know. It's not perfect. I know some of you aren't happy with it. I'm not happy with it, but my point is, it's better than anything you've heard from any politician ever, ever, because they don't want to solve your problem. Go back to my little list here. What about water? I mean, water's a problem, isn't it? We have water. Problems We have, you know, disputes over water rights, water pollution, water runoff. People don't have enough water. Cities are running low on water. What's the solution? What is the government's solution to the fact that there's not enough water in certain regions? Or they, in regions where they have plenty of water, they have problems with erosion and runoff and stuff going into the ocean at all. Drainage, not enough water. Need more drainage. You need to get rid of it. That's that's a solution, right? That's that's a solution. There's there's not enough water. We need more drainage. Go to Colorado, freaking desert precipitation climate. They put drainage in everywhere because it makes mud puddles and flooding when it rains. So we'll get rid of the water put it in the Colorado and send it to California and don't use it up really quick. Does this make sense? We have water shortages. So what do we tell the farmers and the ranchers? You can't put in ponds. Catchment ponds are bad. We need more drainage. Don't have enough water. Need more drainage. What if we made the water last longer in ways that didn't cause problems? like ponds and swales and infiltration programs. What if in these cities that are like 90% hard catchment, we put in great big subterranean aquifers and got the water and held it in basically underground lakes, put it through basic water purification and send it back to the city from which it came. And only when that aquifer wouldn't hold any more water, let it drain away and worry about drainage then. What if we put in tiny ponds, and when I say tiny, I'm talking like Pentheg or Cora, everywhere, and hydrated the landscape as they slowly seep into the soil. Do you see the solution? Not enough water. Do better water management, water control, and water infiltration. Government solution. Drainage. Places where we have droughts in the summer every year, what do they tell farmers to do? They put drainage tiles in so that the machine won't sink in the mud when they're planting in the spring, knowing full well that the field will be in a freaking drought in two and a half, three months. Does this make sense? Or should we take the water and use things like key line plowing methodology to spread the water from the valleys to the ridges and infiltrate it into the field so the equipment can do the planting but the water's not gone? Government solution? Drainage. Actual, so actual solution, retention, management, and infiltration. So do you think they want to solve the water problem, given that a redneck heavy duck farmer told you how to do it just now? Most of you already knew the answer. Do you think we're all smarter than they are? They run the world. They control billions of dollars. We're all smarter than they are. Or do you think they just don't care if you suffer, and they know that if you control water, you control civilization. Which one do you think it is? Expedient solutions for long-term control versus long-term solutions for expedient freedom. Which one do you think they prefer? Which one do you prefer? You better do this shit yourself. Why do you think I'm talking about it today? Because I think we'll we'll change the world and we'll just all get government to change? Or that we all can do some of these things in our own way? Which one do you think it is? How about, uh, health insurance? Health insurance. What's the solution? Health care is what they call it. That's the first thing they do. They lie to you and say that health care is health insurance. Bullshit. Car insurance isn't transportation. Is it? Is life insurance living? Is homeowner's insurance a house? Do we say this shit anywhere else? No, of course we don't. Because we would sound like freaking morons. But we can claim that health insurance is health care and not sound like a moron because of 40 years of marketing since modern health insurance was created by a complete scam in the Nixon administration. Go look that shit up if you doubt me. There was no health insurance like we have today in the 1960s. And health care was dramatically affordable. So the first problem is, We've equated insurance with care. But what is the solution to unaffordable health care in 2022? More subsidizing of health insurance. Zero talk of making health care more affordable. Now, pricing controls on a specific group of prescription medications does not make health care more affordable. It doesn't. And it never will. And it's not going to. And all the drug manufacturers will do when you put pricing controls in place is create new medications, use marketing on TV with 70s jingles remixed into them to convince you they're better, and charge more for those that are not subject to the pricing controls, and they're already making those medications before they come into place anyway. So the solution is make health care more affordable. Now how do we do that? Well, the first thing we do is we make health care less necessary so since we already talked about changing people's diets, if we cut the number of type 2 diabetics in this country in half, healthcare becomes dramatically more affordable because of all the other things that go along just with one condition, type 2 diabetes, like heart disease and kidney dialysis and things like that. So I'm just, there's so many ways to make healthcare more affordable. One would be to stop having insurance like we do because insurance like we do is what creates a situation where your doctor's like, well, I'm going to send you to a specialist. Let me tell you something about your doctor sending you to a specialist. They find something in your heart and it scares them and they know they can't handle it and they send you to a consultation with a cardiothoracic surgeon. Okay, good. That person... Has it and that's why they have a God complex. They have an almost godlike power. They can crack your chest and repair damage to your heart and give you a new life. Fair enough. There's a cancer they know they can't handle. Again, and they send you to an oncologist with a the ability to treat that cancer or to tell you, make your preparations, I can't help you. Okay. But most referrals to specialists are because the specialist has the code to bill. And your general practitioner doesn't. Do you think your doctor went to four years frickin' college, two years frickin' pre-med, four years of medical school, a year of internship, and four to seven years of residency, depending on their specialty, and can't handle 90% of what you're referred out for and wait longer for and pay more for? Or do you think there's an entire billing-coded system that is designed to require that doctor if they want to get paid with insurance? to refer you out so that the other guy who has their own little silo can get paid. Which one do you think it is? Eliminating that mess. The solution to affordable healthcare is to get rid of what we think of as health insurance. Because when people say they want health insurance, what they're saying is I want car insurance. Okay. Here's how car insurance works. You get in a wreck. We pay for the damages. Um, and then it's a deductible. Well, what about my, what about my oil changes? Well, uh, no, no, see, that that would be maintenance on your car. Oh, but I want my oil changes paid for You can't get that. Well, what about when I get gas? Is there a copay when I buy gas for my car? Uh, no, no, no. See, gas is part of the expense of operating your car. So it's like having car insurance, and you want your oil changes paid for a co when you get gas. And what people say when they say, well, I want to be able to buy with pre-existing conditions. So we say, I want to buy the car. Go out and drive like a moron, wrap it around a tree like Paul Pelosi, hit another person, do millions of dollars in damage, and then I want to buy insurance and I want you to pay for it. You can see where this is a problem. You can see where this, and, and all of the heart wrenching stories about pre-existing conditions, I get it, but this system created the problem. So we focus on making healthcare affordable and we eliminate insurance as a catch-all do-all so that medical providers, doctors, and clinics have to compete for your business. And the cost of healthcare will plummet because so much of it's artificially inflated. There is no incentive if you're making the next medical device to make it cheap. None. The more expensive, the better. Somebody else is going to pay for it, and they're going to have to. Think about it that way. If you were a car manufacturer in a true free market for automobiles, your goal, if you were smart, would be to make a great car that's safe, that can get people where they want to go, and sell it for $9,900. Decent gas mileage, 25, 35 miles, somewhere 25, 35 miles per gallon range. Safe, four seats, built well enough, basics, safety features, all that shit, $9,900. That's what you would want, to, and you would sell all of them. But in today's world, where everybody can get 60 months, 72 months, I saw 84 months financing on a vehicle, you want to make $60,000 on vehicles. That's what you're incentivized to do. If there's some new gadget that people would like but not necessarily pay for, well, your goal is to get the government to mandate it in all cars so that all your competitors have to put it in there too, and you can make your $60,000 car into a $65,000 car. If you can get a subsidy because it's electric and the government will chip in seven grand. Remember, you were mad about that last week before the government schools, or the, the student loan thing. Yeah. that. Uh, and then you could just raise your price another seven thousand dollars. You would raise the price of your car. So what do you think it's done in the medical industry? Do you think it's any different? It's actually worse because employers are mandated to buy insurance. The government provides insurance for those that can't get it. And we're pretty much in a situation now where you have to have insurance. Even if you're willing to not, you really can't afford not to. And there are some things like health shares and stuff like that. But in the end, people have to have some form of insurance. So as a hospital, as a lab, as a doctor, you want your billing to be as high as possible. And then you can play a little game if you're a hospital. You can make a profit and on paper make a loss because of your your accounts receivable and delinquent accounts and say, look at all this money that we didn't get paid. And you're actually profitable and you're taking public money at the same time. And you're taking insurance money at the same time. So the solution is we eliminate this, but they don't want all the only solution is the government needs to pay more and more of the bill for health insurance. Every solution comes down to that or, Things that are like, well, we need to let insurance companies compete across state lines. That's a Republican talking point. You guys, you had the Senate. You had the House. You had the presidency with the orange man. You didn't do it. You didn't repeal Obamacare. So what you said didn't matter. It would have made it better, but we still, it would have done nothing to reduce the cost of care, only the cost of insurance. So the problem is the cost of care. So let's focus on the cost of insurance. If things cost less, then insuring them costs less. Just saying. So they don't want to fix this problem. High-density population centers. So right now they're saying, you know, we have all this problem with too many people, even though the population is in rapid decline. Well, the solution is kind of what we talked about yesterday. It's lots of small, when I say small, 15, 20, 30,000, 40,000 robust communities. But what's their solution? Cram people into giant metroplexes as tightly as possible, but then spread them out in subdivisions that you can harvest as tax farms. While you get rid of farms by putting subdivisions in because you'd rather farm money than food. And then prohibit with regulation those people developing any level of self-sufficiency. I think I said enough about that one. Clearly, they don't want to fix that problem. Um... What about energy? Let's just take one little aspect of energy. Everything right now is solar and wind, solar and wind, solar and wind. You know, what I think solar and wind are fine methods of power generation. They can't do what fossil fuel or nuclear does. They can't. But that doesn't mean we don't use them. I'm not a hater of windmills and solar panels. But there's a fundamental reality about them when you start putting them into a centralized model designed to produce power for cities and towns. And that is they can make a lot of energy, but they can't make it when necessary. And so we have to have batteries and we have to have massive battery banks. And if you want to talk about environmental pollution, go look up what lithium mining looks like. And don't tell me another word about a natural gas. Well, again, you disingenuous, lying Or ignorant by choice. Bullshitting asshole. Do not tell me. That your batteries for your windmill plant are clean energy. If you don't know what a lithium mine looks like compared to what modern. uh, Pumping of natural gas looks like. Because you're either willfully ignorant or you're a liar. But what is the actual solution? We have a, a. A huge demand for energy, and not just here in America. America uses 80% of the energy. We have it. We produce it. The real demand for energy growth is not in America with a declining population. The real demand for energy is in the developing world, and those people deserve energy too. And if we were taking less of the resources that make energy, they could use their resources to make their own energy. And maybe they're using fossil fuels, and we could use what? (gasps) Nuclear. Nuclear. The solution to clean energy in America today is next-generation nuclear, and we won't even have an honest discussion about it. We won't talk about thorium. We can build thorium reactors. They produce almost no waste. There's some waste. Don't get me wrong. But compared to, like, 1960s technology, which is what we have in America today, they produce almost no waste comparatively. And that technology produces a lot less waste than people think. And what happens when a thorium reactor shuts down? Nothing. Did you know that? Anybody ever tell you that? Did you ever hear that from anybody before? How does a redneck hippie duck farmer know that we can build next generation thorium reactors with no danger of meltdown, no Fukushima's, none of that shit? All that shit was built in the 60s. That's why it has the problems that it has. Why won't we do it? It might fix the problem. The organism that is the state that thrives on problems might shrink if we actually solve one of these problems. So that's the solution. But what is their solution? We need to mine more nickel, cadmium, lithium and other rare earth elements at great environmental cost in, in largely in central South America, Australia and China and outsource the production of our, of our you know, clean energy materials to China because what they won't tell you is the reason we do it isn't China builds it for less. It's why China can build it for less and because it's such a filthy, dirty occupation that U.S. EPA regulations make it prohibitively expensive to manufacture in America. But if we put the, the dirty stuff over there and nobody sees it, it's all okay. It's all okay. The tailpipe of your Tesla comes out in central China and the outback of Australia. That's where the exhaust of your Tesla is. And I don't hate Tesla cars. I hate the lie. And then there's no effort made to, to figure out how do we store this energy with less environmental damage, because as long as the yuppie, the hippie, and the hipster don't see the environmental damage, if nobody shows it to them, they don't give two shits about it. So we don't want to solve that problem, obviously, since there's so many solutions there. What about regulations to no end that make everything more expensive? Building a house today, at least half the cost of building a new house today is driven by regulation. Some of it's stuff we talked about, like Drainage have to make sure you drain. Like if you build a house in Maryland right now, look at how much is added to the cost due to the drainage regulations, directly to the builder of the house, the actual customer, but to like the developer of a subdivision. If you look at that, you'll have a heart attack. And it's all to make the water go away cleanly, instead of how do we put the water into the ground so that we water less. We'll just tell people in August only water once or twice a week, instead of actually just make the, the place drought proof. But there's tons of regulation we don't need. But there's a dirty word that the government uses. Because when governments... See, remember the old saying, everything the government has, it has stolen. And everything it says is a lie. And generally, they lie by using a word that doesn't mean what it sounds like. Here's the word. If you're against regulation, you must be pro-deregulation. Wait a minute. Maybe we should define what that means and talk about what it looks like. So, deregulation in our modern age, often looks like this. We take a public resource like water rights and we sell it to a foreign country like China. We take public infrastructure that the public paid to build like highways in Texas and sell it to a company that's in South America or China. And we let that company manage the road and charge fees and we call it deregulation. You've sold, you've sold off something that was either a true public asset, like water on public land, or paid for in finance at the expense of the public, like a highway system, to a foreign entity. And you call it deregulation. What about actual deregulation? What about making it less expensive to do a housing development? What about saying that it's not constitutional for a county, to tell a person how big the house they're building has to be just to puff up their freaking tax rolls. You understand that's happened even in Texas where we're largely much freer than the rest of the country. Johnson County, Texas, just over is a Johnson Parker Parker County, Texas, new build minimum square foot, 2,500 square feet. What we call out in the County. No, co- you can, there's no building code, Right. In Texas, if you're not in a city, you're not in a city's jurisdiction, you're in the county's jurisdiction only, we literally don't have a building code. I want to build a house. Okay, you need a septic permit. Septic dude comes out and says, you need this type of septic or this type of septic or this type of septic. I would like $500. Here's your $500 tribute. If it pleases the crown, may I build my home? Yes, here's your permit. They don't even check to see if you put in the septic system that they said you had to do. You have that much freedom. Oh, but please to let you know, one more thing we've changed in the last ten years. You have to put in a minimum twenty five hundred square feet under roof, and you can't build unless you do that. That kind of shit's happened everywhere. That's regulation. We don't have enough housing. We need more affordable housing. I know. Let's build another giant freaking um. Let's build another giant freaking housing project, right? Let's do that. No, let's make housing not cost more money to make than it actually – it's already gone, Jake. He's already blocked, right? Let's just not make it so expensive to build. Let's not put restrictions on people. Like, if we don't do this, then, like, houses will just fall down on top of people. It'll collapse all the time. Okay, did you hear what I just said? In Texas, there's millions of acres that homes are built on that are subject to no building codes. When's the last time, if it didn't involve a tornado, right, that you read in the newspaper or saw in the MSN, family in Texas has house collapse on them because they built it wrong. Funny thing, when people are building houses to live in, they don't generally build them in a manner in which they'll fall down on top of their heads. We have regulations in housing in some places. Where you can only have so many windows per wall. Do you know what the justification for it is? If you have a fire... In your house, fire can go out the window and spread to the next structure. Maybe if I couldn't piss out my window on my neighbor's house, you wouldn't be worried about that. And by the way, I would prefer to have that window so I can get the hell out of the house and not burn down with it. And if my house is really on fire like that, I think it's going to be a threat to the neighbor's house no matter how many windows there are. But we have these massive amounts of regulation. Every time they talk about deregulation, it's actually selling public assets. Or publicly paid for infrastructure to other parties, or creating monopolies within agriculture. How about we just actually reduce regulation that affects the average common person? We don't want to do that because we don't want to solve the problem. What else can you think of? Please put it in all caps if you're going to be here in the chat. Maybe we'll come back to it uh, and talk about some of the things you can think about. That like there's a clear solution. But clearly, the people in power are not interested in the solution. I mean, we've only covered freaking farming, diet, education, water, population centers, health insurance and healthcare, energy, uh, regulation. We only covered that. I mean, it's not like we actually covered like the biggest problems that people have or anything. Food supply, like you know, I mean. Clearly, there's more work to be done on this, right? Like, I, I, I'm not like actually addressing real problems. So, what's the solution? What do we got to do? What really works? Proactive apathy and anarchy. And the proactive applies to both words proactive apathy and proactive anarchy. There's a reason I did this show and we kind of sort of started out with student loan shit. You need to be so apathetic toward this student loan thing because it doesn't really affect you. You're not going to pay. Well, I'm paying his b-. no you're not. If they didn't print the money to do that, they're going to print the money to do something else. It's vote buying. Yeah, they always buy votes. It's not that it's not that I think it's okay. It's that I know caring won't change it. And I know that I am not going to change it. And I know if I call my shitty-ass rhino congressman, John Cornyn, and tell him I'm upset, he'll tell me he's upset too, but there's nothing he can do about it. He's sternly opposed to it. So why? What would I do about it? Like if, If there's a giant storm about to wipe out Paris, France, and it's going to kill a bunch of people, the only thing I can do is maybe write a check to a charity that I trust. I can't stop it. And I don't live in Paris. So even though it's a bad thing, and it's much more germane to my life, because I actually care about my fellow human beings, in the end, I'm going to go on with my life. But all of a sudden, because it's in this fake ass ass clown circus that they call politics, I'm supposed to care. And all of a sudden, I realize that right now, remember I did this a long time ago. It's be a new problem. You guys, some of you should do this if you didn't do it last time. It was years ago I did this. I said, I want you to every day Write down the thing that you're most concerned about. Now, the problem is when I did this before, some of the people sent me what they were worried about. They were people that didn't need the exercise. They weren't worried about Ebola. I think Ebola was going on. That's how long ago it was. They were worried about like actual things in their lives. And they actually found the exercise to be useful because they found that maybe they were over-worrying or something. But th- those of you that when you turn on TV, you actually get angry about the student loan thing, That's what I I want the people that would would have written down yesterday, before this episode, that would write down student loan forgiveness, these assholes, and whatever. Two sentences, three sentences, and write it down. And then you turn that page, and you get a clip, and you clip it to the front of the notebook. You're not allowed to look at it tomorrow. Tomorrow, you write down what you're upset about, and you turn the page, and you clip it. You do this for six weeks. After six weeks, have this big pile of papers that are clipped in a notebook. Take the clip off and start reading from page one. And then realize how many of those things that you don't even remember being angry about until you read it again. And then you have to ask yourself, why all these things that I'm like, I'm past it now. Why did I spend one milliwatt, one microwatt, one nanowatt, whatever the smallest measure of energy there is, of my life force, being upset about and focused on this thing when I could have spent it doing something for my freedom, my liberty, and my family? And you'll realize you don't have a good answer. And you'll have people, I'm taking a stand so my kids will know that I stood for something. I voted for the Orange Man. How's that working out for you? Do you think your your grandson will give a shit 20 years from now when he's stuck living in a shithole city that you voted for the Orange Man 20 years ago? Do you think he'll care? Do you think he'll even know who the Orange Man was? think they'll teach him in that school that they'll have him in? Or do you think if your grandson has inherited a business with your name on it, which one will mean more? Which one will mean you took a stand? Do you think it'll be mean more that you were upset about student loan forgiveness? Or you were pro student loan for forgiveness? Or if your great-grandson sits under a huge tree and says, Grandpa, Where did this tree come from? And the grandfather looks at the kid and says, boy, long before you were ever born, my daddy planted this tree so that you could sit under it one day. Which one took a stand? Which one's emotion and which one's real? people that justify their participation in this political nonsense, always say that. They'll know I stood for something. Who did your great-grandfather vote for? My great-grandfather was in World War I. You're not. Who did he vote for? You don't know and you don't care. And your great-grandson, your grandchildren, they're not going to care who you voted for. They're going to care that you built a community that's still there after you're dead. They're going to care that you built a business that's still there after you're dead. They're going to care that you built a farm that still carries your name after you're dead. They're going to care that you changed a landscape in a way that's still, that's still growing and exploding after you're dead. They're going to care that they're here because you were not afraid to reproduce. They were, they're going to care that you, they're here because you didn't run away like a coward and your men going their own way, little juvenile ass clown, adolescent, stay a child forever movement, some of you. They won't care if they're not born because you were afraid to reproduce because you were too much of a coward to find a woman worth reproducing with. Too much? Promise to piss everybody off today. I don't even care that you reproduce. I'm just saying, if that's your reason for not doing it, what have you stood for? Well, future generations will know. They, you won't even have any future generations. You want to reproduce? It's too late. Whatever. Do what I did. Be a father. My son is not my son by blood. I heard somebody recently on Twitter say, "I don't want to have to step in for another man's mistake." Really? How about just being a man? How about just seeing someone that's worth stepping up for? And how about one day being blessed and becoming a grandfather and it wouldn't have happened if you didn't step up? How about not worrying about somebody else's mistake and worry about what you're giving up? How about not being a freaking pussy in a world full of pussies? How about not being a coward in a world full of cowards? How about not worrying about any of this just absolutely 100% bullshit that even where it's bad, even where it's wrong, even where it does affect you, you can't change it. And standing up and focusing on the shit that you can change and doing the things that you can do without a bunch of pussy ass excuses or worrying about somebody else that got a check from daddy government. How about that? That's your choice. And guess what? You don't have a third option. You don't have another option here. You either fall in with the world in the world's problems or you're the lion that got out of the fucking zoo and ran out on the Serengeti and said, I might get eaten by my children or by a hyena, but damn it, I'm going to be a lion. That's it. You live in the zoo. Or you make your way in the wild. And it doesn't mean they won't come after you, they won't hunt you, they won't try to put you back in the zoo. But there's two kinds of lions. There's a lion when the hunter has the gun leveled at him. He says, shit, it's over. You got me. There's some professional hunters that can tell you, some that can't. Sometimes that lion's like, you know what? Fuck this. I bet I can get you before you get me. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down like a lion. What are you going to do? Makes me think of another episode I did long ago. Two choices. It's always two choices. Sometimes there's a false dichotomy, but sometimes the dichotomy is real. Life puts real dichotomies in front of you every day. Stand. That's it. I'm not a religious person, but I understand kneeling before your God. I do not understand kneeling before another man. I will never kneel before another man. I'll give up my life to save another man, but I will not kneel before another man. And I damn sure will not kneel before a state. And I damn sure will not kneel before government. I damn sure will not kneel before the World Economic Forum, Technocracy, Bill Gates, any of these motherfuckers. I will never kneel before them, and God, I hope you won't either. God, I hope you won't either. Usually I have kind of a sign-off segment, ask you to support the show or something like that. I'm too too deep into this for that stuff today. This is where we're going to end today. This is your choice. Look out your window. Back when I was a sales manager, see, I always had this attitude about everything in life. I had salespeople working for me. And they weren't getting their numbers met. And I would say, that's because you don't spend enough time in your office. And some of these people had worn an ass groove into their office chair. One guy had worn a freaking, a a, a path in the carpet going back and forth. It was a long time ago, the fax machine to look for POs he could steal from other salespeople. Every time that fax machine went off, it was like Pavlovian's dog. He ran down there. So they looked at me like I was crazy. We're here all the time. I work after hours. Y'all come over here. We have a pretty nice window, view of downtown Dallas. So did you see that? That's your fucking office. Go to work. Go see people. Set appointments. Go knock on doors. If the door won't open, take the hinges off. Go see people. Tell them what we do. And if they don't need what you're offering, ask them if they know somebody who does. And make damn sure they know if they do to call you. Your office is out there. Why are you in here? Your office is not the world of politics. That's the world of the ass clown. It's not worrying about what you can't control. Your office is your garden. It's your business. It's your children. Go spend some time in the office. Catch you guys tomorrow. Catch you guys tomorrow at Expert Council Q&A Show. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they going to bail you out just run you around?